You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Recruiting for Mamas. My name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. My son, Jackson Powers Johnson, plays football for the University of Oregon. He plays both O-line and D-line at this point. And uh, if you've been listening to me for a while, uh, you know that we never know when I'm going to put out a new podcast. I actually started this whole series uh, during the COVID lockdown. Uh, There's been a bunch of changes uh, since the COVID lockdown, as well as um, I'm... A, a year and a half now into Division One ball, and I've learned a ton more stuff. And so uh, the goal of this particular podcast is always to give parents and players, moms like me, um, and dads if you want to listen, more information about the process and about things you should be aware of when going through the process. And so this particular episode we are going to be talking about PWOs. And um, I think I'm actually going to title this particular podcast, Beware of the PWO. Um, and the reason for that title is, is as uh, Jackson was going through the process, and for those of you who are just joining us, Jackson uh, played at Corner Canyon High School. He graduated as part of the 2021 class. Um, and he specifically had a lot of kids within that school that were being recruited at all different levels. A lot of, um, I guess our famous alumni at this point, Jackson's freshman year, Zach Wilson played with Corner Canyon. Um, and then subsequently, since Zach Wilson got kind of a, a, a pretty big national attention, other schools started coming by and we get... Um, at Corner Canyon High School, kind of a steady stream, especially now that COVID's over. I mean, I don't want to be offensive in any way, but as far as football's concerned, COVID's over. Um, and uh, coaches can come back out and, and go to the schools and talk to uh, coaches and talk to players. And so um, in our experience, we had a lot of kids on the roster every year that were were being recruited at different levels. We had some that were for sure going to go Division One, Power Five. We had others that were going to go Division One, uh, FCS. Uh, we had some Division Two kids and some Division Three kids. And my message for everyone overall is that. Anyone who wants to play at the college level, there's absolutely a way for you to move past high school and play. Sorry about that. I had a phone call and I cut out. Uh, what I was in the middle of saying is that there is a way for anyone who wants to play beyond high school to play in college. The important thing is that we know exactly uh, based on your talents and abilities and economic resources, what level of college that's going to be, and that you're appropriately making decisions around that information. 
So the reason why I'm calling this particular offer is beware of the PWO, which is, uh, for mamas out there, a preferred walk-on, which is basically an offer from a university to be part of the team, but you're not going to be a scholarship player. And so you're not going to have your school paid for, tuition paid for. You're not going to have a stipend that helps pay specifically uh, for... Uh, food and living expenses and housing, um, but you are going to be able to be on the team. Um, so PWO, and the reason why I'm calling this particular episode Beware the PWO is prior to uh, moving from high school ball to university ball, I had an idea of what a PWO meant and there are always, every year, all these success stories of people who went to a university and went there on a PWO and ended up turning that PWO into a full-ride scholarship. And kind of the story along those lines or the narrative that's being put out there is that all you have to do is Rudy it up, go in there, and Rudy's from the movie Rudy. <laughs> Go in there, work really hard, be the first one to practice, be the last one to leave, be, know the playbook up and down, um, do all your weights and be academically perfect, and, and you too can earn your way into a full-ride scholarship. And as much as I wish that was in fact the case, uh, what I am finding out now is that it in fact is not the case. And so we are just going to go through um, some things to be aware of when you are being offered a PWO and things you need to be aware of. And the other kind of cautionary tale I want to say is that when we're at Corner Canyon, and I hear this from high school students all over the country, um, is that they've been given offers to play at a specific university, and that university is maybe not Division I Power Five. Maybe it's uh, a smaller university, but they have an offer to play there, and it's a full-ride scholarship, okay? But then some Division I Power Five school comes along and gives them a PWO to a Power Five school. And, I, and a lot of kids, and I've seen this specifically in my life a lot, in which kids were offered full rides at one university, but instead of taking the full ride at one university, they took the more, in their version, prestigious Power One offer, D Division One Power One offer, and thought, oh, I'm just going to go there and earn a scholarship. And so far in those instances, I haven't seen anyone that was able to turn that Power that PWO into a full ride scholarship. What I have seen them do is abandon the full ride tuition that they would have had at the smaller school. Um, and so that's why I'm calling this episode Beware of the PWO because every program is different in how they treat PWOs. And so it's really important that before you walk away from your full ride and your school actually being paid for, that you consider the following information about that Division I PWO. So let's talk about that. Um, 
So let's get back to the story where in the narrative that's kind of out there, which is you get a PWL, you show up at school, you're part of the team, you're going to go work out every day, and you're going to play really hard in practice, and they're going to see that they should have given you a full ride scholarship, and they're going to see that they were wrong about you, in a year or so, you're going to earn that full ride. Well, here is the reality of the situation. The reality is, is that the NC2A only allows every single team in the nation to have so many practices that are padded full practices, right? And so in uh, spring ball, you're only allowed, I believe, to have 15 padded practices. Those 15 padded practices are... have different levels of equipment that you can have at them. Sometimes it's a spider spider pad, sometimes it's full pads, sometimes it's helmets only. Um, all of those things are very regulated by the NC2A. And when you're dealing with Power 5 teams, the most important thing they're doing at all given times is they're getting ready to play that next game. So even in spring ball, and for instance, this year, Oregon uh, is opening against uh, the national champion, uh, Georgia Bulldogs. But the moment they were able to do spring practice, every practice was designed to get ready for a football game that's not taking place until September 2nd. Everything they do when it comes to weights, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to uh, academics, when it comes to uh, strength and conditioning, uh, playbooks, meetings, all of that is getting ready for the game that happens on September 2nd. So with that background and that backdrop in mind, there are only so much time that they get to actually have practice. And that's when, when I say practice, sometimes there will be player-led practices that will go differently, but coaches are not allowed to be at those player-led practices. So there are only so many official practices where the coaches are at and they're coaching and we're getting ready for that big game. So reps in those practices are incredibly valuable pieces of coaching and experience. Reps are like gold within that practice. So I can tell you from firsthand knowledge, specifically with Oregon, if you are a PWO, depending on which position you are and how many people are in that position, you could literally be a preferred walk-on at the University of Oregon and never once get a practice rep. You get to dress with the team, you get to be on the team, you get to say you're on the team, but you may not get, especially in the Mario Cristobal era, depending on how deep they were in your position within scholarship players, you may not get a rep. I know for certain that there are other uh, programs in Utah, where I live now, in which PWOs in spring practice may get one or two reps, the entire 15 practices. And that's it. So this narrative in which you're going to go and you're going to show up and you're going to work really hard and you're going to know the playbook 
and they're only giving out gold, they're only giving out reps at practice to the kids that they have invested scholarship funds into is a very, very important thing to be aware of. So if you are considering a PWO over a scholarship offer from a smaller university, you're going to need to have a conversation with the person recruiting you, and you're going to need to ask that hard question. And and frankly, it shouldn't be a hard question. And the question is, if I take a PWO from you, how many reps can I expect to experience or have a shot at taking in regulation practices? And if they're not going to be able to give you more than a certain amount of reps, in practice, how are you ever going to move up the depth chart and prove your worth? If you're just standing around in pads, waiting to go in front of a million people that they actually invested in. So important thing to remember about the PWOs. Um, And that can absolutely vary position to position to position. So If you've recently, like uh, when uh, Dan Lanning came in as the new coach at the University of Oregon, there are a bunch of kids that were graduating, a bunch of kids that decided they wanted to go in the transfer portal because they weren't sure about the new coaching situation and they felt more comfortable going somewhere else, right? And you had um, a bunch of kids who um, may have, in theory, decided that they were going to medically retire or they were going to uh, move on with their lives and not return to football. So you had certain positions on the team that didn't have as many scholarship players. And what they do then when when a new staff comes on is they kind of evaluate everyone, they see where they have weaknesses, and they go out and they try and fill those scholarships the players back in from any of the scholarships that would have left. And so you may, if there's a transition in that period, be able to work yourself into getting more reps in spring and proving your um, viability in that position. But it depends on which position you're specifically at, whether or not you'll ever even get that opportunity. So very important question. How many reps in practice can I expect to get? Because if they tell you, oh, we treat PWOs just like scholarship players and we, they get the, everyone gets the same amount of reps. Well, that is something that's interesting, right? Because now you have an ability to actually make that narrative come true and prove what you can do against college-level competition. Other things to think about. There are some programs throughout the U.S. where a PWO doesn't even get to be in the same locker room. They're in the PWO locker room simply because the university never expanded their locker room facilities, that kind of thing. And so not only are you not getting reps, but you're not even in the same locker room. So it's really hard to form those relationships if you're not in the same locker room. Um. I would also be very interested if I was a parent uh, with a kid trying to pursue a PWO, I'd want to know how many preferred walk-ins were currently on this travel squad. So uh, when you travel to games, there's only so many kids off the roster they can actually put on the travel squad. So um, you've got essentially 
And this usually happens at the end of camp, uh, fall camp. They kind of divide people into developmental and travel squad, okay? And the travel squad's going to be dressed and on the field for every uh, home and away game. They're generally going to spend the night before a home game in the hotel. They are going to be participating in all the meetings. They are going to be breaking down all the film. They're going to be traveling to all the games that are away. And those uh, lists do fluctuate from game to game depending on injuries or uh, generally it's an injury situation or sometimes they'll bring someone who they didn't know they were going to going to need uh, because someone was experiencing something that was moment to moment, a game time decision. Uh, the reason why I would want to know why, how many PWOs were on the travel squad is that would be able to tell me not only has a, someone who had accepted a PWO gotten enough reps that they were starting to prove themselves, but if a coach is going to put that person on the travel squad, what they're saying is, if push comes to shove, all my starters and my uh, secondaries kind of go out, I need these few people around just in case we need to uh, field a team in that game. So if you're ever on a travel squad, it is significantly increases your chances of actually being able to get in the game. So there aren't a lot of kids on Travel Squad who can't be called upon to produce if needed. They're going to absolutely take their best kids in order to have the best chance if they need to go down the line past their starters, um, you know, down the line to win that game. So coaches are very, very particular about who they put on the travel squad. If you, they've got PWOs on their travel squad, that is a good indicator that they are, in fact, giving those PWOs more reps in practice than other programs are giving them. So that's, that's a very important thing that I would ask to whoever's recruiting you. How many kids that are PWOs are on the travel squad? I would fall over dead if people were asking them that question all the time because I think people don't think through that process. The other thing I would want to know is do you have someone on the team that uh, originally accepted a PWO and now is on scholarship? And those kids, I would want to pick their brains. Find out who what that kid's name is. Ha uh, see if you can set up a call with that kid and Ask him, like, tell me about your story. Tell me how it was that you were able to go from a PWO to a college scholarship. Tell me your story. And I would say those can be really powerful stories if there weren't a ton of injuries in front of that kid. If that kid truly got the opportunity from coming in and working very hard and it wasn't all luck uh, dependent, Right. So, of course, in any story, in any successful story, there's going to be luck that's involved. But it's amazing. The harder you work, the luckier you can get. So talk to that kid. Find out who it was that was able to crack that code and find out what they did and get that information. And then you need to look at that information and go, is that something I'm willing to do? Are my circumstances in any way, shame, 
shape or form the same. And if it can be someone in your same player group, that's huge too. Because what it says is this particular coach has seen himself elevate somebody from a PWO position to a scholarship position in this group before. And that means there's a path that someone's done it. And so I can look and look to what they did and see if I can, you know, copy that or even go a little bit further if at all possible. And then the next thing I would ask specifically if I had someone who was considering doing a PWO over a scholarship is I want to I would want to know how many scholarship position players are in the room ahead of me. So for different positions that can be a very different answer. So for instance, if you're preferred walk-on and you're an offense or a defensive lineman, there is a bigger opportunity for you in theory to break into getting reps and earning a scholarship. And the reason for that is, is that any game at all, if you're on the offensive line, there's going to be five offensive linemen in a game at all times. You can't play offense without five offensive linemen. Uh, the same would, could be said for defense. You're going to have three or four defensive linemen on the field during defense, period. You just are. So there's more opportunity in those. But if you're in a system that only uses a running back occasionally and you're a running back and there's six running backs ahead of you, that's that's information you need to know. If you're a tight end and they only use two tight ends, um, and there are eight tight ends ahead of you, then you that's something you need to be aware of as well. So talking to whoever's managing your recruiting, finding out how many uh, scholarship players are ahead of you, finding out if there's any PWOs that are in that group that have now been in that system for a year or two, uh, so they at least know the system. Those That's very important information that you're going to want to know before you make a decision to go to that program on a PWO. Um, okay, aside from the actual rep piece, which is just so huge, you can't get to a scholarship unless you get reps in practice. You just can't. Um, I would even argue that reps in practice, even if you're on the scout team, are very valuable reps. Because if you're on the scout team and you're getting reps, at least you are bringing value to the organization overall. And for moms who don't know, scout team is every week they look at whoever the the opponent's going to be and they put kids in the position to mimic the other team and run the plays that the other team is probably going to run against you. And that's both offense and defense. So I am a firm believer that scout good scout team players are super important to the organization because they're the ones giving you the competition each week in practice. So they're giving the starters and the um, second team practice in actual practices. So there's a huge amount of value to being a scout team player. And I think that you have a better uh, opportunity to work yourself into a scholarship position if you are kick butt scout team player. So even if you were to have all these conversations and want to know specifically how many reps you are going to get, even if those reps are not 
anything but scout teen reps, I think those reps have value as well. Okay, beyond that, I think you're going to want to find out, are there any housing requirements? So if I take this PWO and I'm an incoming freshman, do I have to live in a housing requirement that's that's required by the university and or required by the team. So most teams like to have all their incoming freshmen living in the exact same housing because they want uh, their teams to be around other members of the team. It gives the ability to kind of have older kids or other incoming freshmen. They have one place where they're all kind of looking out for them. And from my experience, they want all the incoming freshmen, whether you're a scholarship player or a uh, or a PWO, to kind of live in the same housing because they want everyone to kind of be in the same place. So if they need to call a meeting, let's say, that maybe they weren't planning on having, everyone's right there. They, they can communicate that with each other instantaneously and get rides to the meeting, that kind of thing. It's just good to have all your incoming freshmen in the same place, especially when they have been doing school in high school and now you're just trying to get them used to college and how the college life works. So do you have a housing requirement as an incoming freshman and how much does that cost? So some universities will place all their kids in the dorms. So what is that cost? Because unless you have some sort of academic scholarship or financial need scholarship, that's some, uh, information you're going to need as parents to find out whether or not that particular requirement for housing is something that you can financially handle, right? Um, Is there, and then sometimes if they have everyone in a specific dorm or apartment, they, the football team will have worked out some sort of a deal. So is there some sort of deal that you can get on that housing requirement Um, because it is a requirement, but you play for the football team. So is there a different deal for football players? Um, How, this is a big question. How does your position coach feel about you accepting that PWO? Now, this is an interesting question because normally preferred walk-ons are specifically recruited by the PWO coordinator on staff. So last year, uh, for part of the year at Oregon, Keanu, Coach Keanu, and I can't remember his last name right now, was um, the PWO coordinator for the University of Oregon. And I he wasn't in that position for a long time. He actually ended up getting a better position and moving on to another university. So it was his job to look at all the kids that were kind of on the bubble. Do we put them in scholarship or is it just a preferred walk-on? And he was going to review their film and he was going to pitch them essentially to the coaching staff and say, can we offer this kid a PWO or can't we offer this kid a PWO? And so he would go in there and pitch those. And then it was his job, basically, if the, he got the okay to offer this kid a PWO, then uh, he it was his job to kind of reel them in and uh, recruit them to the team. Well, there can be times when, depending on your organization, and I'm not saying this happens at 
Oregon, but I know of instances where it has happened at other universities where the preferred walk-on recruiter is not necessarily in sync with the position coach recruiter. And although the head coach may have signed off on it, a particular position coach may not have, that may not, kid may not have been his first choice. So Let's say for the sake of argument, you have been offered a PWO and you're getting a lot of communication from the, the PWO coordinator or the, the recruiting coordinator at that position, but you're not getting a lot of information specifically or reach out from your position coach. That would be a huge red flag because what that would say is the position coach isn't invested in me taking this PWO the way the PWO coordinator is. And I can tell you when you get to college, your position coach is your number one advocate, the number one person you're gonna spend all your time with, you are with this particular coach every single day. You're in meetings with this coach every single night. Uh, you're reporting into this coach in every single way. So if you don't have a pretty good relationship with that coach prior to you accepting that PWO, then that's a huge red flag in my head because for some reason they're, they didn't care enough to have that relationship with you prior to you showing up on campus. So I can tell you right now you're already at a disadvantage for getting those reps that we need in order to take that PWO and turn it into a full ride scholarship. So that's another indicator about whether or not they really want you there. How does your position coach feel about the fact that you're coming and being added to his room? Um, all right, the next question I would definitely ask, and most organizations have someone that can walk you through this, it is what is the realistic cost of this, of this offer going to cost me? So I'm not uh, paying to play, but I am playing to go to that university. So when Jackson's freshman year, there was a couple of PWOs that had come in from out of state. So they were paying out of state tuition at Oregon. They were paying, uh, so out-of-state tuition versus in-state tuition. They were paying housing. They were paying books. They were paying food. So you're going to really want to have a budget for that prior to ever showing up on campus so that you know what the real true cost is for you to go to that university. And then you're going to want to explore way before you, uh, you get there what is my financial need and and do they have programs at that university where they can get me that financial need and that that is met? So, uh, but the, kind of the rub of that is if you have means as a parent, your kid may not qualify for the kind of financial relief that you may need them to qualify for. So I always tell people, make sure you are going and filling out what's called the FAFSA. It's a government grant program. And you're doing that ahead of time. And you are saying, I'm possibly going to this university. And a lot of times they will project the kind of uh, financial aid that you can expect to get. If you have a child that's gotten a preferred walk-on and they have straight A's and they have good ACTs or SATs, then they can go and play on a full uh, academic scholarship. And so 
the burden isn't that great when it comes to financially because a majority of their expenses are already taken care of. But if you have someone who has all the heart in the world, they have grades that can get them into that school, but they're not going to get an academic scholarship, you're going to really want to look at the financial aid situation unless you've got the money. And then that, you know, who am I to say? That is totally up to you. The other silver lining I would say that can occasionally happen is coaches leave every year. Coaches come and coaches go. Coaches are always either getting a better job, they're following someone to the new the a head coach to a new job, they're getting a head coach job somewhere else, or uh if a head coach is fired, you cannot plan on much of the staff actually sticking around. They generally get fired as well. So uh, what I've seen before, so when Mario Cristobal left and took the offer at the University of Miami, there were certain members of his staff that he extended offers to and they went with him. There were other members of his staff that got new head coaching jobs. So for the instance, uh, the DB's coach last year at Oregon was Ken Wilson, nicest man on the planet, love Ken Wilson, love his wife, his whole family is amazing. He got the head coach job at the University of Nevada. And what he did is he had been seeing the PWOs within the Oregon program that were really working hard, that really had that next level talent that may not have been used at Oregon, but he felt like he could use that talent at Nevada. And so he actually extended some of the POWOs at Oregon full ride scholarships at the University of Nevada. Now that's not how they saw their dream coming true in the first place. They thought they'd go take that PWO at University of Oregon and work it into hopefully a scholarship at the University of Oregon. But instead, they took, once they realized, oh, they want to give me a full ride scholarship at the University of Nevada, then he was able to take some of those kids with him through the transfer portal and offer them scholarships. And they knew Ken, they knew his coaching style, they knew that he was a really good guy. And so they were able to kind of transition that and take that financial burden off their parents and move it to a scholarship. So sometimes those are the kind of things that can happen. And that is a great story. And we all feel really good when that is the kind of story that happens. Okay, we're going to end this particular episode with a big word I like to talk about when it comes to PWOs. And the word is pride. And I know we've all heard this saying, pride cometh before the fall. I cannot tell you how many kids I know personally that had PWO offers at some schools and had full ride offers at other schools. And because of the word pride and how they felt it would look to other people or pride in themselves, they decided to take the PWOs instead of taking the full ride offers. And pride is something you should really, really look at when making this decision. Am I making this decision because it's the best decision for me and my family? Am I making this decision because this is the best um, economic decision, academics decision, 
uh, goal-oriented decision or am I making this decision out of pride? I'm too embarrassed to say I didn't get the Power 5 offer, so this regular Division 1 or Division 2 offer, it'll make me look like I haven't achieved my dreams, and I'm too proud to admit that. The truth is, kids move, and this is really important for people to know, from lower schools to higher schools all the time. You can always go from a JUCO school or... Uh, a division one program and transfer into a bigger, better program once you've had a chance to get the college academics down, learn to play at the collegiate level, have different competition than you did in high school. I know plenty of people who started out at a smaller school and ended up at a, at a division one power five school, but it's pride that generally gets in people's ways. And so when they they get too prideful about it and they go take that PWO instead of that full-ride scholarship, what I see overwhelmingly is not that they stepped back and said, you know what, maybe I need to not take that PWO or maybe I didn't have a good first year in PWO. Maybe I should look at these scholarships in these slightly lower-ranked programs but they got too prideful. I've seen actually more overwhelmingly people took the PWO. It didn't work out the way the narrative was going to, which is a very, like, I went in there and I worked out and I worked so hard that I turned it into a scholarship. And instead, they're giving up on their dreams and they're walking away and they're no longer playing football because the PWO process broke them. And that's what I don't want for anyone right? I don't want you to get broken because you were too prideful to take a different route to get to the same place, right? But as far as I'm concerned, this is just one of those situations where I want to give you all the information, consider all the different things when you're dealing with a uh, preferred walk-on. And if it's still for you, 100%, we're behind you. That's awesome. Good for you. We'll cheer for you and hope for you and want the best for you. But if you could have had the information on the flip side of that and asked the right questions coming in, would you have possibly taken another path to get where you want to go without the financial burden and without the financial stress on you or your family? So this is why I say, beware the PWL. Make sure you know exactly what you're getting when you get into those. So just to recap, and then I'll let you go. Um, but important information to ask, how many reps will I be getting in practice? What can I expect to get as a PWO when it comes to rep in practice? Are those reps uh, with on scout team only in the fall? Um, or will I not get any reps at all? Do we have the same locker room? On the current roster, how many PWOs do you actually have on the travel squad? Seek those kids out. Find out their story. If there's somebody who took a PWO and turned it into a scholarship, seek those kids out. Find out their story. Find out their path. Um, how many scholarship positions are ahead of you in your position room? Super important information. Are there any housing requirements that we're going to have to come up with the financial means to pay for if we come and play for your school? 
how does the position coach that I'm possibly going to be reporting to feel about me taking a PWO? Am I having a lot of conversations with him? Is he really reaching out and trying to get me? And sometimes they're over on scholarship count. They really are. And they'll tell you that. And just be as honest with them about your situation. And they'll hopefully be as honest as they can with you. Um, what is the realistic cost that it's going to cost me to take this PWO? Find out tuition. Find out housing. Find out books. Find out food. Some PWOs get to actually eat with the team, so there's some mitigated costs there. But make sure you have a good idea and a budget of what that's going to be. And then what financial resources are available to you based on your circumstance. And then last but not least, oh, I guess I have two things. Okay, I'm going to, pride. Is pride making me make this decision or is it the best decision for me and my family? And the last thing that may possibly play into this and you may be able to mitigate some cost is NIL programs. Does everyone on the team get to participate in name, image, and likeness programs or are those just for the scholarship players? Because what's happening I've seen Two is when they're putting together kind of a collective deal for the football team, at least at Oregon, when they put together team deals, everyone on the roster gets a piece of that pie, even the preferred walk-ons. So that might be a way to kind of augment the cost if you ask that question as well. But uh, probably that whole NIL discussion is for another day now that it's upon us. So thank you everyone for listening. Um, I like to say, just do the next right thing, one thing at a time. It'll lead you all the way home. Um, And until next time, that is Recruiting for Mamas. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.